Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome. This is the Late Breaking F1 podcast. We do love a double header coming out of Belgium, going into Italy, the Italian Grand Prix this weekend. Guys, we do love a double header, don't we? Excitement all around. I mean, seeing anyone with two heads is pretty mental, but two F1 races in a row also screams excitement. It does indeed. Uh, we've got a packed show. We are going to be previewing the Italian Grand Prix. As we said, bold predictions involved in there. We're going to be looking at Vettel's comments about whether 16 races is too much. Uh, sorry, if we should go back to 16 too. races. Um, uh, we've also got a F1 back and forth, which you haven't, if you haven't seen one of those before, um, we'll explain more later in the show. But starting off with this, Nico Hulkenberg, Kevin Magnussen, Something of an F1 rivalry, um, but it's interesting how the silly season works out. And there is at least a chance that the two of them could be teammates next year. Of course, Nico Hulkenberg will not be racing for Renault, could well move on to Haas. And of course, Kevin Magnussen is at the Haas team at the moment. Now, based on their previous relationship, um, do you think it would be a good idea to partner them up? Can you see it happening? Harry, what do you think on this one? Uh, I think if that's his only option and he wants to stay in F1, he'll he'll go there, so it won't matter. I think it'll be an interesting dynamic because yeah, they don't they don't get on. But then I do think, is there any driver that actually gets on with Kevin Magnussen? Maybe <laughs> the driver that you think is friends with Kevin Magnussen, Jan Magnussen. That his dad doesn't. Care. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe it's just a case of you just have to get on with it, and as long as they don't knock bits off each other. And it, it should be fine, but we know a lot of teammates that don't get along. Um, and that's even before, that's not with history, they just end up not getting on. So <coughs> if he's got to go there, he's got to go there. And I just have to suck it up. I shouldn't have used that phrase. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, I think it'll be okay. But um, it'll be an interesting rivalry, I reckon. I think they'll be fairly evenly matched. Sam, can you see this partnership happening? Well, Haas are pretty much in the biggest crisis on the entire grid in terms of a whole team effort at the moment. I mean, Williams are the slowest car on the grid, but I think as a team, they're calm, they're happy with things, their drivers are content being together. Russell's leading the team well, they've got the experience of uh, Kubica, and also Claire and the lot are pulled together. Whereas Haas, on the other hand, are not the slowest car on the grid, but their drivers fall out, not massively, but they don't agree on everything. They often come together on the track. The car is useless now. They've got no idea where they're going with R&D. They need a focal point. Magnussen is, has got some raw talent. You can't deny he can be quick on his day, especially on a Saturday, he can be good on qualifying. Hulkenberg, so consistent. I think as long as all ball-shaped objects are kept out of the garage while they're in there together, we should all be fine. And I actually would love to see an inter-team rivalry between Magnussen and Hulkenberg. I actually think they're quite alike. You know, I think the pair of them across their careers are quite similar. Magnussen obviously had that shot in the McLaren and never really went anywhere. Hulkenberg never really got that shot. Maybe Renault was that shot again. That's letting him down. I would love to see them go wheel to on the same thing on machinery. Maybe to settle that rivalry once and for all. Who really is the quicker of the two? Um... I think it could happen. I think Günther Steiner does not care enough anymore about his team's relationship to say no to it. I think he just wants to get that car back in the right direction. So, yeah, I can see it happening. I'd like to see it happening. I'm a little bit tired of Grosjean being in that car now, knowing about it. So, bring on the Hulk Magnuson box office spectacle. 
Yeah, box office spectacle is absolutely right. Um, I can see a case for not wanting this to happen. Um, and I can see a case for um, someone saying that this shouldn't happen because there are a number of problems as we have established with Haas um, in terms of their car. But there's bigger problems with the team at the moment in terms of it's a fairly noisy team. Uh, you've got the rich energy sponsors. That whole episode is well documented. I mean, it doesn't reflect well on Haas at all. What they need is stability. Um, they've got Grosjean and Magnussen, who at points this season have vocally come out against the car during the race and said that this isn't working. Having a rant, you know, um, Magnussen's was in Canada. We had Grosjean last time out in Belgium. So you could argue what they need is a stabilizing figure and a stabilizing partnership. Magnussen and Holkerberg is not a stabilizing partnership based on their history. So I can understand why you wouldn't want this to happen. But ultimately, I think it should, because if you are Haas, who have got Magnussen and Grosjean right now, I don't think you can turn down a driver who is as good as Nico Hülkenberg for where they are. Nico Hülkenberg is not a front of the front of the pack driver, but for a midfield team where Haas is right now, he does the job. Um, I would say that it, it, it's a really difficult one because they are in such in such a mess. And I, I did guess that Ocon would go there. Um, but obviously that has turned on its head as Ocon is now going to Renault. So I, I do think that instead of that, Hülkenberg will find his way to Haas. Hülkenberg has said himself he is not done with Formula One. And I think he would... It, what's more important to Nico Hülkenberg? His, his rivalry, if you want to call it that, with Magnussen or being in F1? Being in F1 is much more important. And if you were to ask him, OK, you can stay in F1, but you have to bury the hatchet with Magnussen, he would do it without a moment's hesitation. There, there are just more important things at play here than some rivalry. If I, and to be honest, it hasn't really been a rivalry for a while now, you would say. It's, it happened a long time ago, this um, Hungarian incident uh, happened post-interview. Um, so, yeah, I think there is a very realistic chance it happens. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that Gunter Steiner shouldn't be worried about it. But I think it is is manageable and it's worth the risk. I mean, the other option, of course, here is there's two other options. Magnussen goes, Grosjean stays. I don't think that's the chance. I don't think Gunther Steiner likes Roman Grosjean as a driver, as a personality in the car. I'm sure they will get along fine out and about down the street at the French cafe having a baguette. But I, I really don't think they get along well when it comes to actual engineering racing discussions. So I feel like you're right. Grosjean will be more the likely the one to leave than Kevin Magnussen. But... Is there the option that they both get kicked out of their contracts in the next year or so and Hülkenberg fills a spot maybe for a year or two to finish up his career and they draft someone else in? There's a lot of young Ferrari Academy drivers coming up through the ranks that are doing well. There's also a lot of drivers that are looking to move up in the in the ranks. I'm sure that, you know, the likes of, I don't think Russell would go there, but there's a lot of paid drivers floating around the outside that definitely could could impact a team like that. Again, likes of Jack Aiken, maybe he wants to break out of that Renault contract and get himself in a Formula One car. There's lots of Ferrari driver, young driver programs who are looking to get in that car as well. I wouldn't be shocked if both Magnussen and Grosjean are dropped within the next six to 12 months. Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see how that one unfolds. Um, had some already decided seats, but Haas remains very much open. Moving on. Um, so at the Belgian Grand Prix last weekend, <coughs> excuse me, um, we saw... Michael Massey brandish a black and white flag um, for, and not the checkered flag. I should point out um, he did, but that also was brandished, but it's a different black and white flag. 
and this was to warn the drivers. Um, essentially, they're going ahead with a black and white flag, which would act as a yellow card, so to speak. Charlie Whiting was very against this. He would rather go over the team radio and just explain to the driver that they're, what they're doing isn't right. Massey seems to be going ahead with this um, yellow flag, uh, sorry, yellow card kind of thing. And then uh, obviously a penalty would follow after that. Um, Sam, do you think this is a good way to go? I mean, for Newcastle fans, it's great. We well, just get to pretend that uh, one of our team shirts is being waved over the side. And of course, yellow cards come quite frequently for us. Um, in terms of Formula One, I, I like the idea. I'm a little worried that there could be some uncertainty. If you're on the track and you're in a battle and you see that black and white flag waved, then um, there might be cause for concern that the, the driver behind and the driver in front goes, oh, well, I've done something wrong, questions over the radio. There could be a little bit of cause for concern there. But I do also like that it's clear for the driver when they do understand what's going on. You get two warnings, like you say, a yellow card, one more penalty, you're done. People who, like Charles Leclerc, he mucked up um, the Laycom section, went straight over the, the outside run off of the chicane, didn't go around that outside bit. It came up at the top of the screen, you know, noted, no action taken. I feel like if he got that black and white flag, I'd say, careful, don't do that. You're fine, but don't do it again. Do it again, you pick up a penalty. I think that allows drivers to be aware of what limits they're on. Everyone gets the same amount of restrictions as well. You know, you get two of those every race, that's a penalty. Um, so I think overall I like it, but I do think there needs to just be some real clarity on who's getting it and for the reason why they're getting it and to make sure the measurements are the same across the grid. Harry, what are your thoughts on this system? Uh, and on Sam's clarity point, that I guess they would put up a number as they do. They've got the, the signs around the track now, so I think that would probably be okay. And then I guess they give a team radio as well. Um, I don't see. I don't see why not. It happens in other forms of motorsport. You see it in like go karting and stuff. So it's a it's a tried and tested method. It's not really. I don't think it doesn't make much difference. It's just rather than being told over the radio, you get told via a flag, and it's kind of more official, I suppose. Then, um, yeah, got no problem with it. If it keeps drivers from cutting corners, then I'm all for it. Yeah, I think the, the one issue that they would have with the system, obviously, if you compare it to that yellow card in football, um, is that it's very visible in football. You know, if someone gets a yellow card, you know about it. The referee is in the middle of that pitch with the yellow card right above his head, directed towards the player. Um, the black and white flag was uh, for Gasly at the weekend. I mean... Did anyone see it? Um, it? There's not a lot of visibility there. There's not a lot of accessibility for the fans. I would like to see perhaps both systems kind of combine together. So you do have that black and white flag mainly for the driver, but you then also have the radio message where it is very clear on the radio message that this driver has received a warning. And at that point, it's just more information that the, uh, that the viewer can get. And if you know that that person has some sort of warning, maybe in a battle for the lead or something like that, um, that can add to the excitement of it because you know that that person cannot afford to make some sort of mistake that would give them an advantage because they could be penalised for it. I, I really like the idea of that, the viewer idea, but I do think we should utilise the fact that we've got this wonderful graphics on the screen, flash up on the screen, black and white flag, warning, Pierre Gasly cutting turn number three. It, it takes 30 seconds to whack up on the screen. It's clear for every viewer at home. I definitely think that, you're right, is probably the biggest concern, letting the audience know what is going on as a, as a grand scheme of things. 
Yeah, I, th- I think Michael Massey overall has not done a huge amount to... It's not really been an upheaval from uh, Charlie Whiting's system, but maybe this is a, maybe this is the first thing that he's going to implement that's quite different. So with the Italian Grand Prix coming up this weekend, we ask the question, Lewis Hamilton, can he return to that top step? Mercedes have won this Grand Prix every year in the hybrid era. Can they continue that with Ferrari's top speed, of course, uh, with that having them, giving them the win? in Belgium. Will it give them the win again in Monza? Sam, do you think Hamilton has a chance of winning this race? I'm, I'm very nervous for whoever I predict to win the race because I don't think I've really gotten more than one right this season. I always try to play the risky card and go, ah, oh, yeah, at the start of the season, Hamilton's going to do it. Obviously, Ferrari were a little close, Bahrain, you know, I kind of said, I said that Ferrari would take it, fell to pop. Um, and I often try and take a punt on Ferrari to do well, but I'm going to do it here in Monza, the Temple of Speed. They will win at Monza, the Tafosi will go mad, and I think that Sebastian Vettel is going to be able to wrestle it away from Lewis Hamilton. And I think Hamilton will pick up a massive fight. I think once again, the strategy, the uh, the cornering speed, where there are corners, of course, in uh, in Monza, not not too many of them, is going to still play an advantage to them. And I think Red Bull are going to struggle. I, I Toto Wolf said earlier on in the week for those that read it that uh, he feels like Red Bull at the start of the hybrid era with the lack of straight line speed that he has in comparison to the Ferraris where Red Bull had in comparison to them four years ago. Um, I think that's a slight overstatement considering how good their car is and how well they performed in this era. But he has a fair point. The top speed of that Ferrari is mega quick. And I really do think that if Ferrari can get their strategy correct and work together as a team, they generally could pull off a one-two here. Harry, uh, how do you rate the chance of Mercedes and Hamilton compared to that of Ferrari? Um, look, he's always got a chance to win, as does Lewis Hamilton. He was only a second off winning last time out in Belgium, so you can't write him off at all. Um, Ferrari, yeah, sounds right. They they probably should get a one-two if they with the straight line speed they've got. They're gonna with barring any unforeseen circumstances they'll lock out the front row i'm pretty sure of that um yeah red bull aren't going to be anywhere near it anyway and verstappen starting at starting at the back so that makes things even more difficult for him um yeah so it's gonna be tough for hamilton but again we saw last year ferrari lock out the front row row and then he still took the win so um yeah i wouldn't write him off he's got every chance to win but it's gonna be gonna be tough i reckon yeah i think um Obviously, as I alluded to, Mercedes have won this race every single year in the hybrid era. So if you're going to base it on recent history, then there's every chance that Mercedes win again. But of course, there is one thing different this year compared to the previous five. They don't have the best power unit. And they've had the best power unit at a circuit where you really need the best power unit for so many years. Um, And it's just not the case in 2019, you know, especially in 2014, 2015. Mercedes had such a dominant engine that nobody really stood a chance against them at the Temple of Speed. But now Ferrari have such a great power unit that it's going to be tough for the likes of Hamilton and Bottas this weekend. Now, I think Ferrari's biggest enemies so far this year have been Ferrari. You know, they've been in a number of positions to win races. Finally, they got it right in Belgium. But so many times before Belgium, they have tried to get it right and they have failed. Uh, just think of, you know, Bahrain as the main example. And they've had reliability issues in qualifying all year. So I think the it's Ferrari's race to lose, but there is every chance they could lose it because of, you know, how they've been in terms of reliability this year. 
And if that is the case, then Hamilton is the number one candidate to fill that role and to take advantage of Ferrari's misfortune. Um, I would say that Mercedes, yes, Hamilton was very close to winning in Belgium, but I would be surprised if he is as close this time out, um, just because the middle sector was really saving Mercedes in Belgium. You know, Ferrari had such a massive advantage in that first and final sector. It was the middle sector that was keeping Hamilton in it. You aren't really going to get that with Monza. Okay, you've got the two Lesmos, you've got uh, the chicane before the two Lesmos, but apart from that, it's pretty much straight all the way. So Ferrari, with an upgraded power unit as well, and again, that does feed into the reliability thing, will the, will it be functioning correctly? But if it's working... They should win this race. Um, and for Ferrari's sake, obviously, it's in front of their home fans, so they'll want to win. You know, of course, you want to win in front of the Tifosi, but how many more opportunities are they going to get to win this year if they don't improve that chassis? They, you know, this could realistically be their last chance to win in 2019. So, yeah, um, I, I think Hamilton, there's every chance that he'll be there to take advantage of a Ferrari mistake, but I think Ferrari's, this is theirs to lose. So, um, it'll be really interesting to see if they get two race wins in a row. Um, on the back of that, time for some bold predictions. Harry, I would go to you first, but no doubt you haven't even thought of one. So I'll go to you first, Sam. Um, mine isn't going to be anywhere near as bold last week as it was last week. Although I was so nearly right. And I genuinely think there could have been a chance for me to be completely right. So I'm going to still be relatively bold. I think that an Alfa Romeo car will finish in the top four. And will beat the Red Bull team. Well, that was literally my bold prediction. <laughs> well, wow. Damn it, Sam. Um, okay, fine. So, do you know what, Ben? Come back to me, because now I actually do have to think of one. <laughs> <laughs> this is really interesting, but my bold prediction is really similar to that as well. Wow. My uh, bold prediction, I will say, is slightly different, but not uh, right a lot. Um, I think Kimi Raikkonen will qualify and finish within the top five. So, wow, we have all three of us high hopes for the Alpha team. Yeah, I think I think that power unit can really help them, and obviously Verstappen not starting anywhere near the front. Uh, I think I think Raikkonen will take advantage of it. Yeah, he was incredibly good in Spa as well. So, Harry, have you got anything new? Verstappen won't make it into the points. Oh wow, that that is, that is <coughs> a big bold prediction. Actually, I mean you're right. Top speed will be I'll down, but well, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, that's, maybe that's you'll good. get involved in a crash. No, I'm saying no crash. Oh, on the pace that will offer pace, I should say. Wow, with all those feather engines flying about, literally, literally yeah, wings. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see it happening. I, I know the Red Bull car is obviously a lot better than the guys that they'll try and overtake, but not really in terms of top speed. Yeah, I can't I wait mean... to see their like tea tray wings as well. <laughs> I feel like there should almost be a limit on how small you can make that rear wing. No, I like it. I think they should have a tea tray wing at every race of the year. It'd be so so fun. No rear downforce for you, Sunny Jims. <laughs> I hope there's a team one day called Sunny Jims. <laughs> and they have one driver called Sunny and the other one Jim. <laughs> and they both co-own the team. <laughs> I think the good thing here is that we haven't got off topic. Yeah, exactly correct. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jim. Let's go back to the grid. Yeah, let's get back to the grid. So, um, on the back of those bold predictions, we'll go for pole one, two, three. Harry, who have you got? Uh, pole will be Charles Leclerc, and then one will be 
Sebastian Vettel, two will be Charles Leclerc, and three will be Mr. Hamilton. Interesting. I'm leaving you, Seb. Come on, sunshine. <laughs> See if you can get the job done. Um, Sam? So I think pole position will be Chocolate Eclair. Um, I think the winner of the race will be Sebastian Vettel. Ooh. I think second place will be Lewis Hamilton. And I think Ferrari will mess it up. They'll sacrifice the driver, as they seem to always have to do. Shell will finish in third. Mm, interesting. Um, I'm going to go for the same pole one, two, three that I predicted in Belgium. Um, I'm going to go Charles Leclerc for pole. Charles Leclerc will win the race. Sebastian Vettel will finish second for a Ferrari one, two, and Hamilton will be third. Well, you you were the closest out the long of us last time, so we shall see how it goes this time. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of banking on that top speed. It will be very, very cruel if those if those upgrades are just just don't work or if they're they're unreliable you ne- you can never tell with ferrari no you can't but i think that ferrari are gonna leave charles leclerc out too long and then hamilton's gonna take full advantage of the retifilio the lesmos the scari parabolica just those little corners where you can really gain a lot if you're on those fresh tires and i think he'll jump in i really think that they're gonna sacrifice the driver once again because they panic when they're up front at the moment they need that security back in them so i i think they're, they're gonna struggle again because of strategy so moving on now, Sebastian Vettel, he has come out and said that after the F1 calendar has obviously been very recently um, announced for 2020, that it should be a 16 race calendar, uh, which is a fair few less than what we're getting right now. Um, Sam, are you in line with what Vettel is thinking? Do you think there are too many Grand Prix right now? Do you think it's about right or do you think we can even have more? As a racing fan, I generally think as long as we stay pretty much within the confines of the current season times, uh, fill it as much as you want. As a racing fan who loves to watch motorsport and racing. I mean, I don't get a life. I don't get to see my family or my friends at the weekend, but I'm willing to sacrifice those things for more Formula One. Um, But I do understand that the people that work within Formula One do need a break. They do need to see their family. They do need to not travel constantly. And... It's incredibly environmentally damaging the way the calendar is laid out. There needs to be a more eco-friendly layout to the calendar. You know, all the Asian races at once fly to Europe. All the European races at once fly to the Americas. All the American races at once. It's a terrible layout. It wastes a lot of time and a lot of environmental damage is done. Um, but, sorry, Sebi Vet, I 16 races is for the week. Bring them on. I love it. Do more. Maybe not literally 25, 26, which we definitely could have if we really pushed for it. But I'm happy with the fact that we're including more and more Grand Prix at the moment. Harry, what's your view on this one? Um, I don't agree with 16 races, but I think we we might have already hit the too, the too many mark, especially next year with 22 races I think we're going to have. Um, I think you just start to make some races irrelevant in a way because... There are races on the some races on the calendar that we, you know, not. I can't see many fans would miss if we didn't have it. So I think we could reduce it. Twenty's good. Sixteen's too. I think that's not enough. But um, yeah, and like Sam said, I think you've got to consider the people that actually work in F1 as well, go flying around the world. Um, yeah, so I don't agree with them on sixteen, but I think maybe we are getting to a point where we've got slightly too many, especially when we have races like Russia and. Spain, Spain. I just want to check one more point actually before Ben captures everything perfectly, as I'm sure he will. Um, what if Hamilton wins the championship on race 16 and 
then we've got six, seven races with absolutely nothing to play for. That does kill yeah. the excitement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to disagree with you, then they realised I agree with your point, Sam. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, I don't I agree with that. <laughs> your instinct's kicking in to disagree with Sam. I, I understand. Sam. No, Sam's Sam. wrong. Oh, no, way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so that's my other only concern about it. Yeah, I, I think Vettel has a good point. Um, and I think he has a different perspective to it than what we can bring in that he is in the paddock. He is involved with the team. He can see what it does to the morale of the team. He can see what it does to the energy levels of the team. Um, and, you know, there are people saying that if there are many more races, they are going to have to start switching out guys within their team in order to to make sure everyone is healthy all the time which so um there would need to be consequences if the calendar got even even busier um i think we're on about the right amount now maybe one or two too many of course formula one has a calendar which is much bigger than the other top motorsport series in the world if you look at formula e it's nearly double the amount of the formula e calendar um and you look at uh indycar as well nascar's got a load of races but nascar doesn't count it's not a motorsport series <laughs> i'm kidding nascar i'm kidding nascar wow. That's joking just joking calm down um yeah so they, they do have a bigger calendar than the average motorsport series um and the risk you run with that is that the the magic of each grand prix the experience of each grand prix does diminish slightly the more grand prix you have the less the less the impact of the one individual Grand Prix. Uh, you know, if we had five Grand Prix per year, the anticipation for each Grand Prix would be higher um, and the excitement for each Grand Prix would be higher. And likewise, the other way, if we had 45 Grand Prix a year, the average excitement for each Grand Prix would be much lower. Um, you know, in the Indy 500, why is it so exciting? It happens every year, and that's it. It doesn't happen five times a year. It doesn't happen 20 times a year. So I don't think you can get too many uh, before you start to really diminish each one. Uh, I think right now we have a good mixture on the calendar. So we've got uh, plenty of classic European circuits. Uh, we've got some great destination Grand Prix, if you like. Uh, you know, Mexico City it's, uh, happens at the same time as the um, uh, Day of the Dead Festival. So... Uh, I think they do a really good job of hitting those destination cities as well as maintaining these classic races uh, included in that. Obviously, Monza has been announced uh, until 2024. So, um, yeah, I think the calendar is looking pretty good at the moment. And whilst I understand Vettel's 16 races is the optimum, I, I think 2021 is actually actually spot on. Good. I feel like we all actually agree on this. It, it makes a nice change. Um, so we're going to completely destroy all that goodwill because we're going to have a game between you two. F1, back and forth. The rules of the game are very, very simple. I will ask a question to which there are multiple answers and you will keep going back and forth with right answers until one of you gets an answer wrong or you can't think of an answer. I love so, it. There are 21 correct answers to this question. Thank God it's got an even number. That'd be awkward. That would be awkward. So we'll have to see who wins this one. Sam, we'll kick off with you. Uh-huh. Drivers who have been on the podium at Monaco since the year 2000. Oh, poop. Let's go easy. Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton has not been on the podium. Oh, no, I've lost on round one. Well, well done, Sam. Hamilton has been on the podium since yes. 2000. Harry. Uh, David Coulthard. 
does love Monaco as DC. He is on there. Sam. Daniel Ricardo. Daniel Ricardo, four times on the podium at Monaco already. Harry. Uh, Jensen Button. Jensen Button, three times on the podium. Sam. Nico Rosberg. Rosberg, four years in a row he was on the podium. Harry. Uh, Mark Webber. Mark Webber, he did love Monaco as well. He's on the list. Sam? Mm, okay, I'm nervous about taking a punt. Uh, oh, Michael Schumacher. Michael Schumacher has been on the podium at Monaco since <laughs> the year 2000. Was it a punt? Harry? Kimi Räikkönen. Kimi Räikkönen, four times. Sam? Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel tied most of Hamilton this century with seven. Great fact. Harry? Uh, Juan wonders whether Juan Pablo Montoya has been on the podium. That was yeah, my point, he has. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you answered your own question. Yeah, he has been on the podium at Monaco since the year 2000. Sam? Uh, Fernando Alonso. Of course, Fernando Alonso is there. Madison. Harry? Uh, By my calculation, you've got about 10 left. Oh, bloody hell. I'm it's getting stuck already. Um, I've got a few names that I'm unsure of. Sergio Perez? Sergio Perez, 2016. He was on the podium. Glad you chose that one, because I never got that. Oh, punt. Um, now I'm going to start taking punts. Rubens Barrichello. Four times Rubens Barrichello was on the podium this century. Yes. Harry. Barrichello. Yeah, you've got eight names to aim for. Um... Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's all coming undone. Uh, Valtteri Bottas. Oh, you... Valtteri Bottas on the podium this year, of course. Oh, that was my next guess. Sam, you've had your guess ripped away from you. Do you have another? There are a few names on my tongue, but they are risky names. Um, Mika Hakkinen. Mika Hakkinen is not on the list. Oh, that was the risk. You claim victory on this one. Just about. Just Valtteri Bottas bailing you out there. Can we keep going? I've lost, but can we keep going? Yeah, yeah, you've got another seven names, so fire them away. Oh, it has. See if the pair of us can get all of them. And of course, if you're listening, go ahead, give it a go yourself at home. See if you can be better than these two Muppets. Probably you're better than me, most likely. Um, who else has been on the podium? Uh, um, holy moly! Can I go for another punt? Yeah, oh, I'll go on. I'll go on. Yano Trulli. Yano Trulli, oh four winner. I, I had Trulli on the tip of my tongue, and I thought I'll leave it. And I'm uh, Felipe Massa. Massa two times. Yeah. Really thought that. Um. Oh. Oh. Giancarlo Fischer-Keller? 2000, yeah, he's on there. Now I'm, now I'm running low. 
He was on the podium in 2000. Yeah, he was uh, the third behind DC and Rubens. Wow. Um, We're getting really obscure now. Yeah, you've only got four left. Ralph Schumacher? Schumacher, 02. My next guess was Ralph Schumacher. Um, now, now I'm struggling, really struggling. Obviously, I did the silly one earlier, but that was a real pun. I, so I had way more in the locker. That's stupid of me. Yeah. Um, I think there are any freak accidents that put them up. It usually is in Monaco. Someone tends to claim. I mean, a shy just be silly and say Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen has not been on. The I didn't game. think so. He ruined himself. He would have been without so. penalty this year. Yeah. Yeah, um, Bobby K. Yeah, twice. 08 and 2010. Quick Nick. Quick Nick, 2005. Yeah, that was the other one. One more. One more. We've got one more. We can get this. We can get it. If you want the year, I'll give you the year. What's the year, Ben? 2001. Oh, blimey. I was only a boy. Harry will get this before I do. Could be wrong, but I think this was this driver's only podium of that season. I plenty before Eddie that. Eddie Irvine. Eddie Irvine, of course. Um, and that is all the 21 drivers who have been on the podium since 2000. I, I think you two did very well with that. That's a lot oh. of different drivers, isn't it? Like, yeah, random I'm happy ones. with that. Um, so I'm sure that that game will come back at some point in the future, so you can have a, a more agonising moments about uh, something that doesn't ultimately really matter. I mean, it's my favourite game to lose at. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you might have this one. Seeing Harry struggle over Bottas, I, I thought this I, one. Bot- that's annoying. Like he kept nicking the ones I was going for. Anyway, we, we go again soon. Indeed. Um, so I, I think we can draw it to a close there. Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Well, once again, folks, thank you so much for listening, for supporting us. It really does mean the world. Make sure you check out all the links, follow our socials, subscribe to us on YouTube, hit the like button, tell your friends. I said Nan last week, let's go granddad this week, of course. Give it to everyone in the family. We do bring joy, I like to think. Um, but until the next time, folks, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. I've been Harry. And remember, keep breaking late.